Project A podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to today's uh, podcast. Uh, so it's my first time actually being on this podcast, so I quickly want to take the time to introduce myself. So my name is Corinne. I've been working with Project A for the past three years in the area of sales and customer success. So I'm operationally supporting our ventures in those areas and working with them on strategic projects and also uh, supporting them for a certain month on an operational basis, filling interim positions, doing tool implementations and many other things in that area. Um, so, and there's a topic uh, and that's why uh, we are doing actually this podcast today uh, that has been come uh, that has come up much and also that is uh, you know at the beginning of each year um, the classic thing you think about uh, which is um, how to really turn your 2021 sales planning into action and revenue uh, and I didn't want to discuss this topic all by myself so I, I invited uh, someone um, to join me on this podcast today so I want to introduce Uh, Martin Heibel to you. Um, he is running a company that works in the sales enablement space and has also seen a lot of companies uh, from the inside. So um, yeah, Martin, uh, maybe you want to quickly introduce yourself and your company. Yes, thank you, Corinne. Um, so it's a pleasure to be uh, with you on the podcast today and um, I look forward to discussing uh, our topic. Um, so um, Uh, what um, what I do is I'm, I'm a co-founder at Ciara, um, a Munich-based startup. We are um, in the sales enablement space, as you said, and we provide an, an in-call assistant, which is basically a solution um, that works during a phone call sales reps um, are running. Um, and that software helps them address all the, the, the goals they are after, but also document everything important. Um, and in, in terms of an assistant, helps them uh, not get off rail um, and 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 keep focus uh, on their goals. So that is that is what uh, what Sierra does. And um, I'm uh, I'm a business guy by education. So um, uh, this is my second startup as well. Um, and um, it's uh, in, my, in my first startup, uh, Intraworlds. Uh, where we sold um, software to large enterprise companies. Actually, this is where I got the inspiration for, for Sierra because what I realized is how um, not only how hard it is to, to scale a sales team, um, but also how much it really matters uh, to, um, to turn um, a startup into a success and to make it a, a growing business. So that is, that is my background. And um, I look forward to, um, to the chat with you today. Yeah, very great to have you here, actually. And I think sales enablement is also a topic that we're going to touch on uh, a bit later on when putting basically your planning into action. But let's start um, with the first question and right from the beginning, um, because, I mean, you've seen a lot of setups. You're doing the sales planning probably for your own company. Um, so what does a sales planning actually look like and what's what works for companies basically at which stage can you um give a little bit uh, of insight there yeah yeah absolutely um so i mean probably for for a lot of uh companies and even for startups um the past is always the the best uh, indicator to predict the future Uh, not necessarily in in uh, in numbers, but in the dynamics uh, also. 
So for a fast growing company, you can assume it will continue growing fast. Um, but the, the problem at hand, obviously, is particularly for, for early stage company, there's little history and there's little data. So um, I think to your point or to your question, um, generally speaking, there's three ways of, um, of, of planning. Um, one is what I said, you, you basically look at what is, your, what is your history, what have you achieved in the past and why, and um, basically analyze um, how these numbers come together and then start managing uh, the, the, the levers uh, th that you have. Um, secondly, what you could do is uh, be more bottom-up, which is um, coming from your own resources. So how many sales reps do you have? Um, what is a typical sales cycle? What is a typical, um, a typical ticket size you would sell? And then do the math and, and multiply your, your resources um, uh, by your KPI so you know what you can um, end up with, assuming that your resources would limit you. Um, and then obviously, um, there, is, there is also a top-down approach where you could say, if that's what we want to hit as a target, and based on the KPIs that we either know or we can assume for the industry, what would it take us in terms of resources if you, know, if, if you don't see resources limited per se, um, and then then hire and, and and build the team accordingly. I think those are the three general ways of of approaching a planning. Um, now you you asked Karin what is uh, what is the best approach in each phase, and I really think it makes a difference uh, where you stand as a company. So if you're an early stage company, um, there is probably little reason to overdo your planning um, because. There is no historic data. Um, it, there is a lot of uncertainty about uh, so much that that your KPIs are basically more a hypothesis than an actual KPI. Um, so uh, you 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 can you can be very um, straightforward in your planning and um, just start with the one sales rep you have and see how far you get. So there's little little planning, but um, if you um, and, and, and maybe you would just try to get your first 10 happy customers uh, no matter what, and basically no matter at what, you, what cost, um, and you just want to prove that the thing works per se. Um, then if you're, um, if, if you're a bit early stage and if, you, um, if, if you're past market, uh, prog market fit, things change because um, there is a ch there's a fair chance to, to start planning bottom up um, with your existing resources and basically think about what could you, um, what could you reach with these resources? But it's really important, and I've seen, you know, I, I didn't didn't say uh, that I, I also ran a, a startup program here in Munich for two years, um, the Expreneurs program. Um, so I've worked with startups quite a bit. What what I what I kept seeing there is that that planning um, of the top line and the available resources um, were totally unrelated. That's obviously that's obviously a risk. So. Um, in these early stages, I would really think about what what is a realistic realistic achievable goal. And I think then when you when you come to to real actual in the real actual growth phase, again that changes. And you would rather say how much money does it take and how much resources does it take to to get to um, to a certain top line goal. Yeah. Very, very uh, good differentiations you're making there. And it's very interesting. And I completely also yeah, agree with you on, on how to approach this in, in which phase. 
Um, maybe just adding to this, what I have kind of seen in the last years, since um, it's very difficult to also, you know, find sales staff and find people, especially in like uh, the Berlin and, and Munich space um, that really wants want to make a career in this area, that this bottom-up planning, that they're doing this for a, you know, longer time than they would have usually done it uh, in the years before. So they would have moved to the top-down planning earlier when this wasn't like uh, as big of a problem. But this is like the, this, mm -hmm. the um, you know, the bottleneck mm -hmm. that they're working with. And so um, they have to do this bottom-up planning for a longer period of time. Do you um, agree with this or what's your position? Yes, I mean, um, absolutely. Um, I think the, the de facto resources yet that you have um, is always is, is a certain delimiter delimiter of, of, of where you're getting. So um, if you can't hire people quick enough or develop them, and we can we can actually talk about uh, one one end or the other later on, um, then you um, um, then you just can't grow faster than that. Um, so I I totally agree with this. At the, on the other side, um, what I've I think what I've also seen is um, if if you move to top-down planning too fast um, and the the foundations aren't solid, um, mm -hmm. such as product, for instance. So if you assume that product works in market A and then it will also work in market B and C, and you just take that as an assumption. And then scale your resources, and then it turns out that market B and C are not exactly working like market A. Um, that can that can obviously also be a problem um, to um, to then hit your um, hit your goals. But yes, resources are always uh, limiting you. Yeah, definitely. maybe one yeah. point. It's it's never probably never one or the other. It's really a triangulation. Also, if I if I do our own planning, we basically do a bottom up. We do a top down. And we kind of look at what we what we have as um, as data available, and then try to see do we come up with something around the same numbers from all three directions. And if you do, that gives you a pretty solid uh, basis for for planning on how you can actually make these numbers actionable. So, what are kind of levers that you um, for your company can pull? in order to reach those targets and work towards those targets? Like what are areas you can, you can work on there? What can you think of there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'd say it's, um, it's, it's certainly five points um, that you need to think about and that you need to get in sync. Um, and you already mentioned talent as uh, typically uh, uh, short in supply, but um, it really matters. Um, who you hire, of course, like for every role in a startup and maybe in any company, but in startups particularly. So uh, getting the right people on board is is important. And again, that's very much dependent on, on where you stand as a company. So your first sales hires will be much different in terms of their profile than, than later hires. Um, then second, it's, it's about managing your processes and, and getting transparency about what you are actually doing there. Um, again, if you have a team of two or three people initially, you can just do it and talk to each other, but that won't work if you have 30. Um, 
I think training is super important. Um, that's also where the CR product comes in. But um, it is, um, I've, I've talked to scale-ups and, and, and CEOs at scale-ups, and they, they talk about how they train people on the job, but also um, um, how they, they grow their own talent and how they make sure that, um, that people can be successful and, and can, um, can basically strive in a sales environment. And I, I think I've also seen environments where that is not the case, which is then uh, a real problem because the, the company just cannot um, cannot scale. Um, number four is mindset. I've seen sales floors where where you just you you enter the room and you can feel the vibe. It's um, it's really true, and it really makes a difference. Um, so how do people feel about being part of a team? Um, and ultimately, it's technology more and more. So um, what is the tech stack you're working with? Um, and maybe we can discuss those five a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, let's dive into those and actually discuss them, you know, like what you really can do on a daily basis um, to uh, to do to kind of work uh, towards the goals in those um, five areas that you mentioned. Let's go um, maybe um, one by one. Um, mm. The first one you mentioned, I think, was hiring uh, and also, you know, roles and competencies in um, in uh, your company. So what are things that you see there that companies can do uh, in order to really up your sales game? Let's maybe stay with that thinking around what what is uh, what is true for early stage and, and how do, do things evolve? Um, I, I tend to say that for tech companies, the most important role is um, is the sales role. And obviously, there's good reason to 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 say the exact opposite. But what I'm what I mean by saying that is that ideally, someone in the founding team should have a real, actual excitement for selling, um, because um, a, a common misconception of technical founders still is that they would say, "I built this great product, and then I'm gonna hire someone who has been in sales, and they're gonna sell the thing just because it's so great." Um, and it, that typically doesn't work. No matter how great your product is, when it's an early stage product, you're still in kind of a product market fit um, exploration. It, it needs the founder to sell the thing. And um, it, it takes the founder for a much longer time than, than you would typically think. Um, so that's, that's, that's a starting point. But it is also the starting point for thinking about how to build the team um, uh, later on. And I, I, I like to think about a three-step approach here. So the step number one is it's you as a founder. It's really, it has to be you. Don't think it's, it can be anyone else. Then second, um, it's, it's trying to kind of replicate yourself um, by being in tandem with people, um, teaching them, letting them do the job just as much as, as they can, help them do the deals themselves. Um, and only in the third step, I would actually start splitting up the roles. So it's very much, um, I think it's an established organizational model in terms of um, who you need for what role to have sales development separate from account executives. So basically the, the qualifiers are different from the, from the hunters, which again are actually different from the farmers, which is typically the customer success role which is also becoming more and more a sales role. Um, so, but in later stages, you see that these roles are split out and, and, and competencies are much more um, specific. 
Um, and it, it just when 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 building a company, it really matters to understand where you are as a company and then hire people accordingly. Um, the, these these first hires that you tried, where you kind of try to replicate your own capabilities, they need to be jack of all trade profiles. They need to be very versatile and very flexible and um, and uh, basically, ideally, they can th still think much more product than than roles would need to uh, later on in the process or in the in the customer in the company development uh, phase. But then, when you come to the point that you really understand how the sales machine is supposed to work, then it's really about hiring people that are um, ideally experienced. Um, and and have done it before because they they can they are then plug and play or can be, um, and also and that's more around training. Um, it is an opportunity to to provide a, an environment where people can can learn the job and can uh, develop their careers. Okay, yeah, interesting points you're making there. Since you mentioned. Um... Let's go back to the to the um, situation when basically a founder sits there, has done his planning for the year. So, what at what point should he basically start hiring someone for his or her team? So, what do you think is the is the turning point when a founder should really be hiring a sales team? I would I would say, and looking at my um, at my my own. Um, background and my experience um, I hired salespeople when two things happened uh, one was I realized that people customers would actually get the point of what we're selling them and would generally be ready to buy from us or from me um, so that was a strong indication of we're getting to um, to a point where Uh, where, where investing in sales makes sense. There's a, there is a risk to invest in sales too early once if you don't have a product. Um, but that's that's number one. And number two, when I felt I have a, a too long list of people I would wanted to talk to, and um, I could use uh, additional resources to um, to speed up my own uh, resource. So um, ideally, if these two things come together, that is the point when you should hire your first. A sales employee, not to be mistaken with who is your first marketing employee. They obviously do something different and you would typically hire them earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that this is important and also that the founder is kind of excited about sales and, and selling himself because he needs to, you know, uh, at the very early stages, adapt his or her own own product and shape it and really speak to customers a lot. So this exposure at the beginning is super important yeah. and not to be neglected. And, and so, uh, yeah, don't hire, hire basically your sales employees too early because you're also, um, yeah, not as close to the customer anymore. Exactly. Okay. Uh, then uh, second point you mentioned was kind of around the point of, you know, processes, structure, um, this topic in within the sales organization on um, yeah that you can kind of have a lever there to to improve on that uh, what do you mean by that exactly yeah 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 again this is very dependent on the stage and in early stages um, process can be as simple as um, being persistent 
Um, so sales in the early stages where nobody knows you, nobody really understands what your product is all about, or people have our time to learn that um, or need time to learn that. Um, it is, it's about persistence and the process is mostly about um, knowing who to, to stay in touch with, who to follow up with. Um, people have obviously not been sitting there waiting for you to call uh, to call them and then take a decision the next morning and, and get started with your product and love it and going to roll it out the next week. That's not how it works. Typically, I'm talking B2B sales. Um, so that means you need to be very, um, very focused on, a, on a, maybe a, a bunch of, of target accounts. It, it, it really depends a bit if you, if you run a consumer app, that's a different thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking B2B sales. Um, so the process is very much about um, managing your um, your customer relationships and, um, and and be consistent about that. And then if, as you move on, obviously, as you very much along the the roles and the the differentiation of roles that I described, once there is a, a food chain or a value chain in sales from sales development to account executive to customer success, um, that requires a whole lot more of uh, processes to be involved and make sure the handover works. Um, and we, we keep seeing that for even very large enterprises still that handover from sales development into account executives don't work just because information is getting lost. Um, so it's, it's about defining these roles, but also defining what are the, what are the handoff points? What is the, um, what is the framework you're working in? What is the type of information you want to um, you want to get from a customer, what makes a good customer, what makes an actual lead, what makes an opportunity. Um, it must not be the gut feeling of someone, but it really needs to be um, very explicit also to then be able to, um, to actually manage that and plan on it, right? Um, if, if you plan as a founder uh, based on your own resource, that's, you know, you, you're basically discussing that thing with yourself. But if you run a sales team of 50 people with different roles, it's really important to have these processes mapped out and have everyone um, uh, on the same page uh, how these processes work. I think that's that's the general, general point here. Yeah, that's also a good point you're making there, that really the processes have to be clear and also responsibilities have to be very clearly defined between the people who work at different stages of the sales funnel. So I also see that there is a lot of loss of information over, over the sales cycle uh, because handovers don't work in the way they should. And therefore, you in the end lose deals and don't meet your, your sales targets that you have. So I think this is also a good point um, you're mentioning here. Um, another one that actually I'm, I can think of right now is if you think more on the, on the, on the structure part. Um, if we, uh, if you as a founder has kind of set your sales targets for the year now, um, what I also sometimes see is the detachment, especially in now the remote environment, you know, the detachment of the sales manager seeing how his, his or her individual goal pays into the overall company goal. So that means creating a structure of transparency, of data transparency also, and also of you know creating a, a larger vision for your company and having each individual sales manager contribute to that. Right. So um, I have seen this a lot, and and this is also a fact that I see or that I 
you know, recommend to companies to really think about how can you enable your sales manager in the best possible way and keep uh, her or, or, or him motivated? Yes, that is a very good one. Um, it, it actually, um, it plays into um, two more points that I mentioned. It, it plays into mindset, it plays into uh, people development. Um, and the, the, the general thing here is, um, and it, it actually uh, goes together with the bottom-up and, and top-down planning. Um, so typically what happens you on, on January 1, you start with that plan. And by January 31st, you know that you are off plan in one or the other direction. That's typically what it is. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it is super important to be very transparent about that um, uh, with the team to help them get their job done. That means they need to understand why are we off plan? So um, is it, uh, you know, are we, are we not winning enough business because we don't have enough leads or are we not having, uh, does the, you know, are we, are we just not winning enough? So I actually, um, are the suggest or the, the planned numbers of uh, the number of proposals, they, they are met, but then the conversion rate isn't, isn't working. So you really need to know where to, to, um, where to focus your, your attention to manage the whole operation um, based on such insight. Um, and that's, that's, important for everyone running a team so they know what their goals are and and obviously you can you can bring um, you can you can break that down through um, certain KPIs and key objectives and, and what whatever method you prefer to to manage the team um, but it's also really important to have that as a mindset so a mindset in terms of um, um, accepting that you you want to drill into it and that you want to um, address the problems um, and that you uh, want people to be successful because what can really happen, and this is where it comes to people development, what I've seen a lot is that people get a goal and they can't make the goal poten potentially not even um, potentially because um, uh, for a reason that, that they are not even in control of, right? So if you are the closer, but you don't get any leads, um, there's nothing you can do about it. And if your paycheck, which is typically the case, is related to meeting your goals, and you basically say these these guys have come up with something in the Excel spreadsheet that is nuts just to please the investors, but they really haven't uh, figured out what would need to happen from marketing to lead gen to, um, to sales development to actually allow me to be successful, um, that will cause an, a, a massive a, a cultural problem and it will cause a, a people development problem and a mindset problem, um, which is actually a, a, the foundation of a successful team in the first place. Yeah, I definitely agree uh, with you on this. And I think also um, in especially early stage settings where you have kind of smaller teams yet, every, each individual salesperson should, you know, make a check mark behind the sales number that is uh, being calculated for the year so everyone really needs to be on board for this and yeah in order to 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 stay motivated in order to feel enabled and uh, be wanting to contribute also to the success of the firm so i think this is uh, super important uh, the tra uh, the training and and people development was i think one thing we we talked about now quite a bit um are there 
a couple of more things that you can think of regarding especially uh, the training training part um, that is important for a company to think of and not you know if you're you're in the in the daily business not forget about that yes yeah, so um you know in general um and that's a um that's statistics by large numbers um you would typically see that 20% of your sales employees get 80% of the business so you you always have a um certain distribution of performance and there's actually there's little you could do about it you you can there's things you can do about it for sure but it's really what i want to say here is it's really important to identify and then develop your top performers um and um how how do you do that uh, again it depends on the stages number one what motivates people in the early stages of startup is to be working closely with the founder and have a lot of autonomy and if people are um you know have the right uh, capabilities and, and and ambition they will um use this freedom to um to to make deals that you would never be able to um to make in any other setting than a early stage startup setting so we had in my prior company we had a we had an intern he would return from lunch and he would say i met with this managing director from publishing house abc and um he's all in i told him i'm going to send him over a contract uh, this afternoon and they want to start next month and we were like uh, what's going on right those were the deals we would think uh, take for ages to to materialize um but this was a great example of how people with the right mindset they they just um they just get the deal done so um this is this is a big opportunity and um as a founder you you should be aware of um how you can develop people early on then again when it comes to um to to more differentiated roles um it is um it is important to allow uh juniors stay in the SDR role maybe for for a year or 15 months and then move on based on performance um because you want to have you want to have an organization that is built on performance um you want to um, allow uh, people to work on the limit of their ability and capability and um the ideally you 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 manage to attract people that are looking for such an environment um who are not just ambitious as a person but also um what i like to to call the the thrill of the kill right which is they are they are looking to sell this thing it's it's a it's a particular kind of uh, of of personality um typically people that are um just very competitive in a positive sense so uh, with all that in mind um it is really important um to to show um junior sales reps how they could potentially be the head of sales um within 3 years or 5 years or whatever uh, if they if they just uh, perform well yeah i think career path showing you clear career path i also uh see in companies is is super important and also um pays into kind of motivation and and hiring people in the right mindsets um a couple of things i can think of uh from companies i've seen is how they they kind of you know motivate people is um by training each other so not only have the head of sales 
train uh, the, the, the junior sales manager, but really have the senior sales manager maybe train the junior and uh, really enable the people to also train each other and also maybe collaborate on deals together. So, yeah. you know, have two AEs work on one deal so they can really have like a positive exchange and give feedback to each other and learn from each other. So I think this is also a training aspect that doesn't take, you know, too much time and effort, but it's really easy to put into place, but can really make a huge difference in, in molding, motivating the individual. Yes, absolutely. So um, uh, two, two comments on that. So one is uh, what I, I uh, was alluding to when uh, working with your first sales um, um, employees, it's really about you as a founder, um, how much you basically um, give them as a leader um, that will determine a lot how successful they are. Um, but that's also true for, for later stages when seniors work with juniors. Um, and a second thing is uh, what I learned from the head of, no, actually the CEO, so the co-founder of a, a Munich-based um, uh, grown-up, so to say, and they had um, invented the deal clinic. And they basically, which is a great idea um, because it combines two things. Number one, it really... Um, goes into the details of a deal. So why does it not move or what can we do? Um, um, how does it uh, basically, uh, how does it um, work along our set strategy? But also it would allow everyone to speak up and come up with their ideas and they would learn from one another on the job, like on the actual deal. Um, and I think that is a great idea um, to implement in any company the, this deal clinic idea, take out a deal and discuss it in the team um, and get everyone involved. That is a great training opportunity as well. So how, how often would you recommend to do that? Is that like a weekly thing or how would you implement that? Um, it's, um, it's probably, so it's, it's not with the whole team, but it's in smaller teams. Um, and um, it's, it probably depends on how many deals you have that you can really go into and, and, and um, discuss how to move them forward. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, ideally, I think weekly is a great idea. Bi-weekly might be okay as well. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it keeps every, it's, it's not like a um, once in a quarter theoretical session thing, but it's something that is really coming from the daily business. So it's a, it, it should be kind of a routine thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting recommendation here. Um, yeah, in general, I think that's what we are also praising at Project A a lot is really investing time and uh, into training. So we also offer as one of our products kind of a sales training to, to our ventures um, where we, we train them really throughout yeah, doing sales basically throughout the whole sales funnel. Um, and, and this is also a very kind of uh, highly requested product, but I can really recommend for, for anyone who's listening also to really think about how can you implement like a regular training format uh, for your uh, employees, not only to strengthen their skills, but really also to keep them involved and kind of, you know, um, foster the learning experiences that you offer as a company as well. Okay, uh, Martin, so I think the last uh, 
point we haven't touched on yet that you mentioned earlier as, as one of the levers, which is kind of the tooling. So, and I think that's also where Sierra is kind of, you know, based in that area. Maybe you can elaborate a couple of points, how you can kind of, you know, think about your tool landscape when uh, optimizing basically your sales setup. Yes. So, um, I mean, when, um, when we were in pre-pandemic times, there was a clear trend towards um, inside sales. And that was one of the hypotheses we started Sierra on um, because we said there is, there is technology out there that makes it um, easy to sell without traveling, that makes it easy to sell uh, with your computer, um, through camera, um, and um, that is, it's just more efficient for, for everyone involved. Um, customers being ready to, to to buy big tickets even without meeting anyone and obviously all this has has accelerated quite a bit over the last year um, and with that in mind the the right technology matters more and more um, it's it, it, it's probably for for most startups this comes mostly natural for a lot of existing companies it does not but let's start let's discuss startups here um, and uh, obviously, what uh, what what you need as the the number one baseline technology is obviously a CRM system, um, and I could only uh, recommend starting a CRM as of day one. Um, you you may be tempted to think that you could work with an Excel spreadsheet initially, but um, matter of fact, everything you put in Excel spreadsheet will will eventually disappear. So start with a CRM early on, um, just to keep records uh, there. Um, I, um, I also think there is a lot of, um, great technology out there in terms of lead generation, uh, be it, be it on LinkedIn, be it through robots, chatbots, basically bridging, um, the, um, the, the, the gap between purely, um, online uh, communication and then, then personal uh, customer interaction. Um, what I've also seen on, as, as a de facto standard on top of CRMs, if we look into the sales development function, um, is, is, an, is an increasing automation and, and um, scoring of activities for, for SDRs based on data that come from the CRM initially, but, but are also um, basically quite deterministic through uh, what is uh, referred to as, uh, as sequences or sales, sales engagement tools um, that that help um, high volume sales teams prioritize right and 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 just um, basically be very efficient. Um, but coming back to inside sales, and this is also where Sierra comes in. Um, I think we're at a point where uh, sales technology will move um, in a very important shift from um, basically asynchronous to synchronous software. And what does that mean? Um, it means that CRM and anything else is asynchronous in a way that um, you are always um, documenting stuff there after having had a conversation with a customer, particularly over the phone or um, a video call or whatever. Um, and then when you have the next call, you try to make sense of what's in there. And everyone knows that problem that CRMs were uh, basically not built for that purpose um, but more for for recording stuff, and when you when you go into a when you go into a CRM 
um, and try to make sense of what has actually been discussed with that customer, by whom, and what's the actual status with that customer, that is, it's almost impossible, right? Even in well-kept CRMs, and I, we see this across industries, um, CRMs come to a limit uh, when, um, when it, it comes about real actual customer insights. And the shift that's going on is that with um, assistant software like Sierra, we will be able to work in a steady flow in real time. And that is, has a lot to do with what we can do around our voice, how we can use voice transcription for documentation. Um, but there is a, basically a move from software that is before and after your customer conversations and inside sales to um, a, a software that works alongside you and that not only captures what you're discussing, but it also nudges you and tells you what to do next along you know, the process that you've defined, along the sales strategy that you have, along your messaging. And um, this, is, this is my view on the sales technology landscape right now. But start with the CRM. And then as you, as you um, professionalize your sales team, uh, think about um, uh, the, the other pieces of the tech stack that I just described. Yeah, I think these are, are very, very great insights. And I can tell you're kind of uh, working exactly in the, in that space um, by what you're just answering. So I have really uh, nothing to add on this point. Uh, Martin, since we are almost out of time, I, I kind of want to end with one question where you maybe have yeah one or two cents to add to that, which is kind of how do you ensure that you stick to your plan? So after you've kind of set your targets after you defined your levers that you want to work on in order to reach those targets. What um, can you actually do in order to really always, you know, reevaluate those numbers and always keep, keep uh, the attention on these numbers? Yeah. So I think number one um, is really communicate these numbers to everyone. I've seen it in companies and I would encourage everyone to do that. Um, have these numbers on the screen right at the coffee machine, um, ideally tracking a, a goal against uh, uh, actual numbers um, and make it easy to understand, right? So um, maybe maybe team by team, which is again great to have some competitiveness uh, also visible to everyone. But so number one is have these numbers um, communicated and number two, have them um, have them in sync what's actually going on there each and every single day. So everyone basically having their next coffee can see, are we on plan or are we not um, and why? And, and basically, uh, who, is, who is the top performer, ideally? Um, that's, that's more around people development and motivation. Um, then number two, um, just have these numbers part of your planning. I think we discussed that early on. Um, in your teams, but also in your in your quarterly reportings and, and so on. So obviously, uh, use it as a as a guiding um, a guiding star uh, throughout the business year. And I think number three, and that's also important, um, have the guts to come up with new goals. So if you if you realize that you can't make the goal, that's perfectly fine. You should ideally just know why. Um, I think it's not cool if you need to go back to the team and say, we don't make the numbers um, and we really don't know why, that will leave a lot of question marks. But if you can say, we don't make the numbers because 
something happened and uh, we get less leads or something happened around competition or something happened in terms of pandemics, what have you, then everyone will be um, will be following you, setting up a new plan, including your investors, which is always uh, also important. Um, so that would be uh, that would be uh, number three. It's not about uh, coming up with a plan and, and 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 then realizing the plan worked out or did not work out in the end of the year, but it's something to work with every every single day. And then then it's it's really a great tool uh, to have in your hands to to manage everything, manage your numbers, manage your company, your people, uh, leadership, um, investors. Um, it's 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 a very powerful way of um, of running a company as a founder. Yeah, I think this is a great ending sentence from you, Martin. So I want to close uh, today's podcast episode on this note, actually. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining um, today. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, hope to see you and speak to you again soon. Thank you, Kuhn. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.